With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're first going to do some news of the day. I think there's some big stuff to talk about uh, in sports. And you guessed it, the coronavirus with everyone and some other leagues uh, that might maybe not have a pure connection to college football, might tie in nicely, so we'll touch on some of that. And then in the back half of the show, we're going to get into our grades for the position groups for the Wisconsin football team. Uh, on Bucky's fifth quarter, over the next coming days, we're going to start having position previews, uh, laying those out. So this kind of coincides with that. We're going to go through and kind of give our grades of what we uh, think those position groups are at as we head into the season. So uh, a nice, fun little exercise for you guys to kind of get you ready uh, in the overall picture of position groups and, and previews as we get really about a month away from what's supposed to be kicking off college football season. I believe the first game is the 28th or the 29th. So uh, things are getting closer by the day, and I know there's still some big decisions to be made on the college football front in some conferences and uh, overall. But we're going to go ahead and do this exercise based on, you know, that we're fully planning to uh, kick off in, in really a month's notice and a, a month's time. And, uh Frankly, there's no other way to do it because we can't sit here and pretend and wait and not do a podcast without, uh, you know, waiting for coronavirus and decisions that way. So we're going to go and have some fun with it. Hopefully you guys can uh, chime in with your comments on what you uh, agree with, disagree with, and uh, make it a fun discussion at Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Just got an oil change, ready to talk a little Badger football, uh, take our mind off some of that stuff going on in MLB that I know we're going to touch on. That's a, that's a great segue, so why don't we just get right into our news of the day. Here's what's happening. All right, guys. So Matt briefly touched on it already here, and uh, the big news of the day is, of course, in the baseball world this past weekend, baseball started back up. I know uh, we both enjoyed probably watching some of the Brewers, despite them losing two of three to the Cubs. Uh, I'll always have that uh, Saturday 8-3 to win, <laughs> depending on how this thing moves forward. But if you haven't heard already, uh, you guys will be listening to this on Tuesday. So this all kind of went down Monday morning, Monday afternoon. The Miami Marlins have uh, 15 players, coaches, test positive for COVID-19. Uh, so, of course, their game for Monday uh, has been postponed. I would have to imagine when you're listening to this, there will be some sort of announcement as their future games uh, you know, are probably going to be canceled as well. I know the Phillies-Yankees, the team that the Marlins were playing, uh, was also canceled uh, for Monday evening and will probably be canceled until they get some sort of test results for the Phillies, given that they were playing the Marlins in their opening series. And I know we're a college football podcast and a college athletic podcast, but I think this is significant because, of course, we've seen some sports come back and uh, have success. But this was kind of the big major setback to, you know, sports coming back and, and getting things going. You know, I, I don't know how much baseball you watched this weekend. I watched a lot. And it kind of felt normal. I know the no fans was weird, but it felt a lot like baseball and didn't really seem to bother me too much. There weren't, you know, fans in the stands. But this was kind of a big setback that I think the MLB was probably preparing for at some point, but they didn't expect it, to, you know, four games in to all of a sudden be having a, a, almost an entire roster, uh, you know, with, with COVID. Uh, and, and kind of interrupting the plan. So what did you make of, of that story, and how do you think that will, will kind of proceed throughout the rest of the sporting world? Yeah, I think it's definitely something to monitor, and it's definitely newsworthy. 
it it seems like Miami just kind of went rogue and knew that there was some players who had tested positive and played anyways. Uh, I, I get that uh, that's something that at least me as a former athlete, I, I totally understand. I would you want to be out there, you want to play, but um, I, I think this is this is kind of on the MLB for not shutting that down and having protocols in place to to make sure that there's no way that um, players are going out there if if that's the case. Um, it's just one of those things where I know that this is a big reason why the Big Ten went to a conference-only schedule because the last thing you want to do is play a play a game against, say, Southern Illinois, and Southern Illinois has different testing protocols not to single them out, but they go ahead and they don't have necessarily the stringent testing protocols that the Badgers do, and a couple guys are out there that have it, and then, boom, the next week, you've got your entire secondary, your defensive line, and your entire running back room wiped out because they all came in contact with uh, a couple players from Southern Illinois. So it's it's definitely something that is newsworthy, but it's also something that it seems like um, teams are taking into account, something that's going to be there. And it really just it highlights just how intricate and how detailed these plans need to be if it's going to if people are trying to make sure that players are safe while also um, participating in athletics. Yeah, like you mentioned the plans part because I think that's a, a major thing in terms of college football is that you know we haven't heard a lot of the you know of course they've announced some plans in terms of conference games and uh, to you know have be on the same lines in terms of testing, but you you really keep your fingers crossed and hope that these conversations are going on behind you know behind closed doors for for college athletics and I'm sure they are. Uh, and they're not going to really mention that until things really you know come to fruition and they go with a solid plan. But you see, like you said, how how detailed you have to be if you're going to have sports and how you know things are going to proceed when and if uh, you know things like this happen. Uh, so you got to hope on, on the college football front with really, like I said, four weeks until things get started that these plans are in place. And I know it's kind of crunch time where we're probably going to get some sort of announcement and, and plan in the, in the coming weeks because eventually you got to start practicing and get things uh, kind of rolling here. But uh, definitely something to monitor as, as other sports try to work back. You know, these protocols, uh, you look at the NBA, I think they've done a good job of having protocols in place uh, and setting things that, like that up. But it's a little different because, uh, like we'll get to here in a second, they're in a bubble. Uh, so definitely a newsworthy story that uh, a, a lot of people – uh, even if you're not a baseball fan, even if you're you know exclusively listening for for you know college sports and college athletics, it's something to pay attention to because other sports leagues across the country are going to have these similar problems, and it's going to be how you handle those and how you respond to them to see you know how much of that sport you really play. Yeah, and I, I think that's we knew that this was going to happen. Anybody who was going in with this with with blinders on that hey this isn't going to happen is isn't paying attention nearly enough because you knew eventually there was going to have to be shutdowns, that there was going to be teams that were going to have to postpone their season, they're going to have to rearrange games. That's why you see in college sports there's a lot of talk of trying to make the schedules more flexible, doing these things. So it, it makes a lot of sense this is going to happen, but it's it also needs to be a firm and and steady understanding of if this happens, you do this. And that doesn't seem to have happened in, in this case. You saw in the NBA back in the spring that uh, a player tested positive and it was like, game's done. Like, we're not even mm-hmm. playing. And it was it was just an immediate reaction. Here it sounds like we had, you know, anywhere between four and seven, eight Miami Marlins have it. We're still playing. And that that isn't going to necessarily going to jive in the current climate right now, given everything that's going on with this um, scary disease for a lot of people. So it's, it, I think if there are protocols put in place and really a, an understanding of this is what needs to happen each and every time, I think it, it really does change kind of the landscape of how things are done. Yeah, and I, of course the the big fear that I kind of have is when you look at uh, your other sports across the country, the MLS, M- NBA, NHL, they've kind of all adopted the bubble model, uh, which is works for some places, works for others. Baseball probably could have done that, uh, but didn't. Try to focus on regional play, uh, and it still seems like things are maybe getting away from them now. Of course, the Marlins in this situation have been a little bit more rogue than I think. 
uh, you know, the the higher ups of baseball were hoping to have. Uh, but you look at college football and, and pro football, you can't probably have a, a hub or a bubble. There's just too many players, too many uh, personnel from, from, you know, in college football you'd have 130 teams. Even if you did a Big Ten hub, something like that, that's still probably a small city that you're taking over. So that's probably not a realistic factor. So do you fear that with with conferences going to these regional games, and I know that's more for testing and protocol's sake, but do you fear that maybe that's not a step uh, far enough to, to maybe have sports going, given what we've seen uh, already early on in this MLB season? I, th- I think at this point uh, there is just so much uncertainty that it's, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to to make a this – is, this is really the way to do it or this isn't the way to do it or make a proclamation of any kind other than to say at this point it's kind of a 50-50 crapshoot of what's going to happen in terms of college football. There's still uh, weeks away from from major things having to happen. Uh, You look at uh, just in general right now, uh, the NCAA Board of Governors is meeting on August 4th. Uh, A lot's going to kind of come from that. And, and August 7th, that's when team camp is supposed to start. So I think over these next couple of weeks, there's going to be more and more decisions being made. I think a bubble, I mean, is, is the best case scenario. But really, we know that student, the student athletes, it's going to be hard to, to have that bubble quote unquote mm-hmm. to actually happen just because there's going to be schools across the country that are having students in, in person. There's going to be schools that aren't doing in person. And right now you look at it as the way that things are kind of set up is players are almost in that bubble at like say Wisconsin. Right. They are, they're in the um, Wisconsin facilities. They're going to their apartments. They're, they're not really doing a lot of the other pieces there that make them higher risk. Whereas you bring back students, you get to the fall, not working in the small groups, then they'd be looking at more of a, a whole team model. So I, I think there's so much that goes into this, and I, I think that there's going to be outbreaks. There's going to be, you know, I should say mini outbreaks. There's going to be pauses. There's going to be these things. We've seen it at Michigan State. We've seen it at Rutgers here recently where they pause stuff. And, but at the same time, I, I just think people need to understand that's part of it. But there needs to be, okay, this happens, let's adjust. Let's make this change. And there needs to be an understanding on the forefront of if this happens, this is what we need to do. And if that, you know, doesn't work, then we need to refine that. And so it can't just be, all right, it didn't work, scrap it all, we're done. It, that that doesn't work either. So um, it, it, there's a lot of smart people involved in sports, and they need to come up with these ideas and, and make things uh, set up so that there's an understanding that this is going to happen, but we need to have things set up so that if it does, this is what we do, this is what we roll with. Yeah, fingers crossed that that's, you know, the, the like I said, the conversations that are having uh, and, and going across the country, so hopefully we can start this up. Uh, safely, and if not, you know, reevaluate and figure out a, a plan to you know move forward with with sports. But I have to say, uh, just thinking about this, not to make light of any, because you know, of, of course it's a serious virus. But uh, a bubble, a college football bubble, uh, you know, a Big Ten bubble in Indianapolis would be pretty. If you could just someone could smuggle me into the stadium, if they did that, that would be uh, amazing to just watch football game after football game. I'll sit up in the third level away from everybody if they decide to do that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, and it could be done. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. could be done, especially given that uh, a lot of college campuses are are more remote than say NFL stadiums. It's not like you're going to Tampa, you're not going to LA, you're not going to New York nearly as much. So instead, you're going to be looking at there's some more rural towns that you could focus on, or you could say, all right, we're going to actually focus and play your games at a high school stadium in X state that everybody is going to be um, having hotels around that area that aren't that far. And we go to and from on that weekend after testing at, at certain times. So it's possible. It's just, I'm fascinated to see what teams try to do because there is like we said in the last podcast, so much money up for um, uh, up for grabs in in this, and but it's also you know certain times that kids have to actually play. Like a lot of players, you see players saying, "Hey, if if they even let us play," I, I saw Madison Cohn tweeting that out, like, "Hey, wear a mask so that they can even think about letting us play." You know, so it's it's one of those things where we we need to understand that that players really want to play. 
but they also want to be safe. And uh, fans are probably thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, I think we hit the nail on the head on that one. So our last little piece of news here, guys, uh, will be the commitment watch for in-state wide receiver tight end Jerry Cross. So by the time you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, uh, it's going to be Tuesday evening. Maybe you've already listened. Maybe he's already made his commitment. I know momentum has really uh, went to Penn State. You know, as an in-state Wisconsin kid, of course, the Badgers want to land him. I know every two four seven. Uh, expert has, has said it's going to be Penn State pretty heavily, but really quick before we get into our uh, our uh, gradings for the position groups, anything you make of that and anything to look for in, in Cross's recruitment Tuesday night? I, I would assume that it's going to be Penn State at this point is kind of all signs are pointing to that. Uh, it's an interesting development just because uh, it seems like the rest of the uh, in-state four-star kids are leaning towards Wisconsin, at least if you heard our uh, interview with Isaac Ham just uh, last week. But I, I think in the end he's going to make a decision he wants. Uh, he, he must see a better opportunity at Penn State. I think it's – I don't understand maybe the reason of why to commit so early when you haven't really visited. I mean, he hasn't visited Penn State. He got his offer fairly recently. So I think this is um, a little hasty, but at the same time, uh, I, I wish nothing but the best for him, and hopefully he goes and succeeds wherever he ends up. Um, I know Wisconsin was after him hard, so it's not like Wisconsin wasn't putting in the, the effort. So he, he's a talented kid that I think should do well wherever he goes, and uh, best of luck to him. Yeah, you're not going to land them all, but hopefully the Badgers, maybe they can make a late push, but I certainly think it looks like Penn State, and uh, if he goes there, hopefully he does have success. You know, you love to see these in-state kids getting recruited. Uh, of course, you want to keep them uh, in Wisconsin and, and with the Badgers, but there's some high-level talent in the state, and the, the Badgers aren't going to win every battle, so if they lose out on, on Jerry Cross, it's definitely disappointing, but it's good to see uh, the talent in the state getting recognized at that high school level. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and kick it over to our kick a couple. Quick, I can never get this right. A couple quick hands. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. And then we'll get into our position group grades. All right, guys. As we're getting closer and closer to football season, like I said, about four weeks away um, from the week zero kickoff, uh, hopefully in that regard. Uh, so today we're going to start with our grades for each position group. Now, Oh, uh, over at BuckySwithQuarter.com, we're going to start be putting out just your, your general uh, position group previews. But here on the podcast, we're going to go through uh, and give grades coming into the season. Pretty self-explanatory, and uh, hopefully you guys can uh, chime in, see where you agree, disagree. Let us know uh, in the comments section or in the reviews, and, and maybe may leave a five-star review while you're at it, you know, if you're already there. Um, but we'll go ahead and get into uh, the grades, and we'll start with, I think, a group that really struck struggled last year, and that's just special teams overall. So, Matt, I don't know where you graded. I think for me it's one of the lower grades coming into uh, uh, this season for the batters, but what do you make of the, the special teams group and where do you grade them out? Uh, yeah, I have them actually as my lowest grade um, out of anybody, um, and I gave them a C-, and it, that was the higher end of my thinking. So um, it, I was kind of toying between D-plus and C-minus for that. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty, really, around special teams. Uh, I, I think I think Colin Larsh will be better this year. I really do. I believe uh, that, and I think that that's going to be huge. But there's still the question of who's going to be the punter. Uh, you look at um, Connor Schlichting is, is a – return guys, so maybe it's him, uh, but but maybe it's uh, Andy Vujinovich. Last time I talked with UW and asked them, they said that he had applied for the waiver, but nothing was set in stone and that they hadn't heard yet from him. Now, that's been uh, a while ago, but at the same time, I think that would be huge for that competition if, if he was eligible. You also look at you're you're not returning anybody at kickoff return. You're you're gonna have to throw a new guy in there. I'm guessing it's Stephen Bracey. I think he's the most likely candidate. Maybe it's Isaac Garendo, but it's still a guy who isn't necessarily um, been in that situation nearly as much. So um, Jack Dunn's your punt returner probably, uh, but but I just think there's so much uncertainty. I saw too much inconsistency last year to go anything above C-. So I would say D plus C- is, is where I'm at. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. I had them as a D, and, you know, you look at with Colin Larsh, where he was at last season, 12 of 18, that's 66% just not going to cut it. That kind of gets you a D right there, and then you look at the rest of the special teams on, like you said, what's coming back. Uh, you know, the punting game wasn't great last year. You think to the two very big plays that flipped some very, very big games, that's not going to, you know, help your grade in any way. And then uh, you lose a guy in Aaron Cruikshank, who was probably your best player uh, in special teams overall. You know, the lightning rod that he was in terms of a couple kickoff return for touchdown and then the, the punt return production outside of the Nick Nelson punt return against Michigan. The Badgers haven't really had any production in uh, in that for quite some time. There was a couple plays here and there, but for the most part on a, on a big scale, the punt return has not been something that has the teams is probably the, the worst phase of the team coming into the season, but that's maybe bad and on, on a small scale, but on a big scale, there's, that just kind of means that there's not as many big problems on the offense and the defense. So that's that's a good sign, but uh, overall things do not look very strong from e- either of us out of the gate with the uh, the, the special teams that way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, I was being too nice. I'm going to stick with D as well then, uh, <laughs> just for the sake of agreeing with you on this one because it, it wasn't pretty, and, and I do think it'll be better, but right now I just it's hard to – give them anything too high based off of the fact that it's all based on potential and what you hope it's going to be instead of what we saw last year and the question marks concerning it. I think that's a great way to put it because what we saw was was definitely not pretty, but hopefully the uh, I'm expecting some higher grades from some other position groups here, and we'll keep rolling on. We'll hop into a group that I think is pretty strong, uh, and that's the cornerback group. You know, the, the cornerback room, has a lot of talent, uh, especially look at the starters and, and what they did last year. Caesar Williams, Fayon Hicks, Rashad Wild Goose, all had had pretty good seasons. I, I really like the group there. I think the depth behind them is is maybe not as strong as those three, but they've got some potential. Uh, so if this group really continues to develop, they could be. I would say in terms of corners, probably the best group or room outside of, you know, Ohio State. You know, they're probably on another level in terms of their secondary. But if they continue to develop the way that they did last year, I think this will be one of the strengths of the uh, the room. I know in terms of Wisconsin secondaries, sometimes we all kind of worry because secondary hasn't always been a strong suit for the Badgers. So I put them at a B plus. but where did you uh, have the cornerbacks? We agree, ma'am. I, I, I went with the exact same thing on, on that. I, I think the, the cornerbacks are, are solid. I really want to see some guys make some, some more plays on the ball. I, th- I think mm-hmm. we saw uh, Caesar Williams do a really good job of, of deflecting the ball. He had uh, a crazy amount of deflections, especially later on in the season as he played more. We saw him break up uh, 11 balls on the year, which is really, really good for a cornerback. But, but I want to see kind of some of the more splash plays. I really like Rashad Wild Goose. I really like Samar Melvin as a couple of younger guys. I know that Wild Goose is a junior, but at the same time, this is only his third year on campus, so I still consider him young. But I, I think the group is really talented. they got a lot of good depth as well to go alongside the, the obvious starters who are, who are most likely going to be there. And so I think that place, they're in a really good spot, and I, I, just, I have confidence in that group that isn't necessarily always been there at the cornerback position through um, Wisconsin's uh, history. And I think that speaks to definitely the, the presence of Jim Leonard, that there's a lot of confidence in that group. And I think, uh, you know, in terms of nationally recognized you know, publications like that, I, I think a lot of people are paying attention to the Badgers' secondary and what they've got, and it starts uh, – with that cornerback position. So, so far a, a big improvement from the special team side, but we'll keep going with the secondary here and we'll get into the safety position because they kind of go hand in hand with the corners. Uh, very strong group uh, when you look at Eric Burrell, Reggie Pearson, some guys returning. So where did you have uh, the safeties in terms of grades? Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit. I don't have a lot of A's handed out, but safety is uh, an A for me. Um, I think you look at having a top four of a two deep, and you've got guys who have all started games for you, three of which who have been um, consistent starters. You know, you look at Reggie Pearson started most of the games last year. Eric Burrell started most of the games last year. Scott Nelson, when he was healthy the year prior, he was a starter for you. Last year, 
Obviously, he dealt with injury, didn't get to play nearly as much, but he's starter caliber. And then you've got Colin Wilder, who's played a lot of football. He started games for not only the Badgers, but also Houston. I think that is is just really good depth there. It makes it so that you've got guys like John Torchio, who probably, instead of playing like he did last year, probably won't see the field nearly as much this year. You've got a guy like Titus Toller in the that, that redshirted last year, who the staff is really high on. So I think the room is in a really good spot. Add in that, hey, next year following, you're going to have Hunter Wohler. I think it's in, they're in a really good spot at that safety position, and I think the top four there really are probably the strongest in my eyes of any group in that anybody in there can rotate, and you could have three of them on the field at any given time, and they're probably some of the best on your defense. Yeah, so far we are walking hand-in-hand here because I had safeties as my, as an A as well, and I really looked at it as – you know, you look at the free safety position, Eric Burrell, I think, is, is an all-conference type player. He had a tremendous year last year coming back, uh, expected to have an even bigger year. And then you couple that, you know, with the other safety position, and you look at it and you go, how can you not play Reggie Pearson and, and how can you not play Scott Nelson? Both of those guys are going to get worked in. But when you've got uh, two players that could be stars to your defense and you're going to have to argue between which one gets on the field and and maybe Jim Leonard comes up with a way to get all three of them out there but that just shows you uh, the strength and the depth that you have and then uh, like you mentioned the experience an experienced backup in Colin Wilder is going to be nice to have in case uh, you know you saw last year a couple ejections uh, for targeting to have a guy that you can trust in there Uh, even John Torchio got thrown in there a little bit so Really exciting group, and I think you know when you couple couple that safety group with the strong corners, uh, that that secondary is really going to be a strength for the Badgers. After you know a really good year last year, they they had a tremendous job in terms of pass defense, twelfth in the nation, uh, which was was tremendous. And I think you have to expect more from them, just given the, what they bring back and and how strong they are as as kind of a cohesive unit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of jumping in next, that outside linebacker, What did, where did you end up falling for outside linebacker? See, outside linebacker was one that was a little tough for me, uh, tough for me because I like the guys there. I do really like uh, Noah Burks, Isaiah Green May, some of the, you know, Spencer Lytle, some of the guys behind them. But I, I struggled with the fact that, you know, you're, you have to – I kind of graded it based on what we've seen versus what we think of as potential because I think potentially – all these guys are going to be good players. So I actually gave them a C plus, which might be a little harsh because, again, I do like all the guys, but we haven't seen – you know, Noah Burks we've seen a lot from. I trust him. Uh, I think he'll be a, a solid player for the Badgers. But uh, the other side gives me a little concern, especially when you have to replace a guy like Zach Vaughn. The sack uh, output that he gave was, was huge. Uh, so for me – Given that you, you last year you saw a little bit from Noah Burks, we have confidence in that side, but the other outside linebacker position is one that's still pretty much up in the air and something, you know, even with the shortened offseason and, and training camp and, and fall camp uh, might be even harder. So I actually had that as a C plus, but I do expect that group to be a little bit better than that, hopefully. <laughs> what about yourself? Yeah, I, I kind of – we we did it in the same way that we were looking at it as of right now, what we're thinking as a snapshot, understanding that there's a potential to improve or go down. Um, hopefully special teams doesn't go down from a D uh, for both of us. But at outside linebacker, I actually went with a C. Um, I, I think for me, I really like the room. I think Bobby April is really good at developing these guys. We saw what Zach Vaughn did after having a, a, a second year um, as a full-time starter. Uh, I think – I think that um, Noah Burks will take a nice leap and, and have a good senior season. I'm guessing Isaiah Green May will be the, the guy opposite him, unless it's Spencer Lytle, Spencer Lytle uh, Jalen Franklin, or one of the freshmen coming in if Nick Herbig just lights the world on fire. But I think there's just so much uncertainty, and when you hear the head coach singling that out as one of the positions where he's looking for the next up, that's that's usually not a great um, great optics at, at the time. So I'm, I think for me, I'm going to go with the C, understanding that hey, it'll probably be better than that. But I just look at it as Noah Brooks is a really good player. I, I don't necessarily think he is the upper echelon like a like a Zach Bond, where he's going to go ahead and really um, make the plays that you need to to win and make the big splash plays. Obviously, he had the the pickoff that he returned for a touchdown 
But I, I want to see more out of that group, and, and I hope that Isaiah Green May or Jalen Franklin, Nick Herbig, Spencer Whitehall can really get after the passer and, and be that, that blitzing player that they need to put pressure on. But right now, it's hard for me to give them anything above a C when I don't know who's going to be starting opposite of Noah Burks and what Noah Burks is going to bring to the table as as the main pass rusher on the outside. Yeah, definitely, you know, a, a lot of fair questions. And it's not really, you know, to, to fault of any of these guys. There's, there's Zach Bond in front of them who you're going to play uh, uh, when, when you had a guy like that. So hopefully we can see and, and be – you know, shown what uh, what I think we can kind of expect from some of those groups, and hopefully we can see some more. All right, transitioning over to inside linebacker, uh, a, a group that was pretty strong with one player, and then you add Chris Orr. Uh, Chris Orr and Zach, Jack Sanborn, a really strong combo, but gone is Chris Orr. So where did you grade them out and replace some uh, big production there? Uh, I went with a B. Um, I was teetering between B and B+. Plus. Um, just because if I gave a B plus, I would really just lean it on the fact that I think Jack Sanborn's going to have a monster year. I think he is the best player on the defense. I I I could be wrong, but he the way he plays and what I think he can bring to the table next year is is going to be really really strong. Um, I think Leo Chanel is is going to pair nicely with him. Um, they're pretty similar in terms of how they play the position, not necessarily like last year you saw Sanborn and Orr who are kind of different type players and in different body types, whereas Sanborn and Chanel are a little bit more similar in that regard. But I look at it as Chanel played a lot last year. He played in most games. He played a lot of minutes in most in a lot of games. He, you saw him play in some of the bigger moments, like against Ohio State. Well, he had moments where he wasn't looking uh, exactly perfect. He did uh, play really well, make some good plays out there, and he looked the part. And you look at what he's been doing this offseason um, with his uh, with his lifting, and the dude's a freak. So I think just those two as starters are really strong. And then behind them was the reason that I went with a B was um, uh, I think Masculinus, really solid guy. He, he reminds me a lot of, like, Having a Michael Trotter, where where it's a guy you can rely upon, not going to be flashy, but it, but really uh, comes in as a walk on, plays really really well, um, and is reliable in every way, shape, or form. And then you look at um, Jong Meta and some of the other freshmen behind them. I think are going to be vying for that other spot. So I think there's a lot to like in the room, a lot of good potential. But I, I stuck with a B there just because. Um, we don't have a, a sure thing at that other inside linebacker spot um, in the two deep next to Masculinus. And I think I, I want to know where that is. And, and I just think that this group is, is going to be solid, but I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that, Hey, they have the depth and the, um, my understanding of what they're going to be as the safety position. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same uh, light as you. You know, I, 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 gave them a B plus, but I think that's solely because I do think Jack Sanborn is just a monster. I, I think he's, uh, you, when you look across the country, I think after this year, if he has a big year like that, he, you're going to be talking about him as, as one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh, so I, I have really, and I guess it's maybe unfair to the other positions because I did kind of grade that uh, you know inside linebacker position based on potential from him. Uh, but outside of that, you know, Leo Chanel, I, I think he's going to have a great season. But if something happens to one of those guys, like you mentioned, the depth behind there is a little bit concerning, which kind of drops that uh, down a little bit more. You know, Jack Sanborn as a player, he, he's probably an A, one of the higher graded players on the team. But you look at what's around him at that linebacker position, and there there are definitely concerns because injuries happen. Things things happen all the time where you might have to fill in with one of those guys. The linebacker position is a physical position where injuries probably happen more than most. So hopefully you know, Leo Chanel and, and Jack Sanborn stay healthy and, and have great years. Uh, but until we see it on the field, uh, we're, we're definitely going to have some more to look for because behind them there are some uh, players that, look to be promising prospects, but I don't know if they are necessarily field ready to be taking on a, a full, you know, Big Ten schedule this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that group shakes out. But uh, a B, you know, B-plus range is, is definitely fair for them. All right, let's go ahead down to the defensive line, a group that brings back uh, some serious talent. 
uh, in guys, but a group that uh, has battled some injuries, which is kind of part uh, of what went into my grade. And I actually handed out a B for them. I really like uh, Isaiah Loudermilk and Garrett Rand, what they bring. You combo that with Keanu Benton and a returning Bryson Williams. And I, I really think you've got on paper something to cook with. But when you're talking about injuries, I still think there's some concerns here. Uh, you love those three of the four guys that you that I just mentioned are, are all guys that are really talented when they're on the field, but they've had injury concerns in the past. You know, you look at, you know, people might have more notice to Keanu Benton where maybe they'll key for him more and he maybe he runs into a sophomore slump and then the depth behind them uh, is, you know, Matt Henningsen's a good player, but there's still some cautions here. But uh, I, I think we've seen enough for them for me to give them a B, but I, I definitely still have concerns, so that's that's really as high as I could go for them. Well, that's interesting. I went way higher, so I went A- oh, for them. So um, <laughs> so I'll make the case for that. So I, I agree that um, injuries are always a concern, but I, I'm looking at it as right now kind of, a snapshot. Mm-hmm. You got two senior defensive ends who who have played a lot of football. Garrett Rand obviously missed that one year with an injury, but but the dude is is strong as an ox. He is he is so talented at that, and I think he's going to have a really good year this year. Isaiah Loudermilk's a tree, um, and and just really can hold the point really well there. And I think he's going to be another guy that's really going to help those outside linebackers and middle linebackers. Um, I really gave this defensive line a better grade uh, than the linebackers because I think the success of that inside and outside linebackers this year is going to be in large part because of how good this defensive line is. Wisconsin hasn't had a defensive line like this in a while where you've got uh, three bona fide guys who they might not all be NFL draft picks, but they're NFL-type guys where they have the skills to be there. I think Loudermilk and Rand are both guys who are going to get sniffs in the NFL. And I think Keanu Benton's a a for sure kid as long as he doesn't run into injury. So I think for that reason, I I think all three of those guys are no doubters. You throw in behind them Henningsen. uh, I think he really surprised folks and he played really, really well. If that's your backup, you're you're sitting pretty, especially when you use a lot of two, four, five uh, sets. Bryson Williams, obviously coming back from injury, he's got to get healthy. Hopefully he's in a good spot with that. But I think Gio Paez is another guy who could easily make mm-hmm. some plays and, and step into that. Rodas Johnson as well. Guys who didn't even get get a thought of having a chance last year to play because of uh, how deep the defensive line was. And then Isaiah Williams, or Mullins, I think is the guy who, who gets overshadowed because the seniors in front of him. But I think he's going to be a good starter next year and a guy that they can lean on. He made some really nice plays. I remember him throwing Daniel Falele, uh, who's 400-plus pounds and 6'9", to the ground. And, and that was severely impressive for what he can bring. So I really like the defensive line. I think they're the best that they've been in a long while at that position, especially with depth. And, and I think they can manage having one of those guys be out for a game or two and they'd be okay. So I really like the defensive line this year. I'm kind of bullish on them. Yeah, I hear your point. I hear your point. I think when I was grading them, I, I definitely looked at the injury concerns maybe a little bit heavier. So I've, I've heard your argument. I'm going to give them uh, – I'm going to bump them up to a B-plus uh, on the defensive line because you're right. Those guys – did have uh, very solid seasons last year in their group that I think could be really good, uh, you know, if if of course everything stays healthy. So hopefully those guys can play a full season and and make me eat my words that way. <laughs> uh, speaking of eating, uh, you want to flip to the other side of the ball on the offensive line? Yeah, let's get to the other uh, big boys on the line. And for me, uh, in terms of grade, uh, I look at this group and and. Similar to the safeties, I uh, they were my highest grade on the offensive uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and I actually uh, put them as an A because for me I, it doesn't I don't worry about the Wisconsin offensive line as much as a lot of people do. You know, when you lose somebody, they're kind of a well-oiled machine. Where I, I think the the Badgers line is whoever they get in there. Joe Rudolph really uh, works wonders uh, with the group and the guys that they've got. And they're strong, but then you know that's that's a good principle to have. But then you look at the names, you know, you've got a uh, a star in Cole Van Landen as your left tackle, which is probably uh, your most important offensive line position. Then the guys along there, uh, you know, next to him, Brust, Lyles, Seltzner, all going to be good. 
I, I think Beach is uh, a guy that is going to be the next really big stud for the Badgers. So I think this group, once again, is, is going to prove to be strong. And, uh, again, the only thing to worry about with them is injuries and if you've got to move some things around and some of the younger guys behind them. But uh, really that offensive line room for me is a, a well-oiled machine that keeps uh, turning out uh, high-quality players. So I gave them an A and, and something that I think they'll be, again, you know, Wisconsin football that will, you know, lean heavily on, on running the football behind these big guys. That's funny. We totally flip-flopped our offensive line and defensive <laughs> line because I went, I went B for the, for the offensive line. Um, I think, I think Cole Van Landen, really solid. He's, he's going to be a, an eventual draft pick. Um, he's a good senior leader to have for them. I, I like Tyler Beach a lot. I'm guessing he's going to be the starting right tackle and Logan Brust played really well last year, has played really a lot these past two seasons, and I think he's going to be a really good right guard if they do, in fact, bump him in to get Beach on the field. And Josh Seltzner uh, played well last year for good chunks of the season at left guard. But I, the injury concern with, with Caden Lyles, not knowing if he's going to be back fully, really throws a wrench in kind of what I'm thinking for the for the line. Obviously, that group of five would be really strong, all juniors and seniors, uh, really solid group, and, and has all played. Like, they all played a lot of football and have been on the field. But I look behind them, and, yes, there's a lot of talent, but you're still looking at freshmen and sophomores. You're looking mm-hmm. at Joe Tipman, Logan Brown, Cormac Sampson, Michael Furtney. Those are really good guys. We saw Furtney and Sampson play quite a bit last year in reserve roles. Now that they're going to be uh, their third years on campus, they're only going to get better, and I think that Cormac Sampson could make a really good uh, center if, if in fact, Lyles can't start the season. But there's a lot of uncertainty there because Sampson is would be switching to a new position, would be still adding weight. And I, I just that, that those questions leave me hanging a little bit. I think Logan Brown's going to be a stud, absolute stud, probably your starting left tackle after uh, a year behind Van Lannan in the rotation. But I just think – that not having some of those uh, pieces behind them and the, the really solid depth that you're like, oh, yeah, if, if he's not in there, this kid is the for sure guy and will for be the be the next great. Like, you've got that with Logan Brown. I think Joe Tippmann's that as well. But at the same time, they just haven't seen the field yet, and that's that's a, a big question to me. You also, I look at they don't have the, the necessarily the – the first-round stud that you usually have sometimes with these Wisconsin lines. Um, and I think Van Lannan's solid. I think he's going to be a good middle-round middle, middle round pick. But he doesn't necessarily have the the same uh, pedigree as you had with Biotis. You don't have him like a, like a ram check where it's like you know for a fact he's going to be set and nobody's getting around him no matter what. So I, I think because of that I went B. I was probably a little hard on them, but just – my big thing was the the uh, uncertainty with Caden Lyles at center based off of he, he hasn't really played that position in his starting capacity, and he's kind of coming off the injury that we're not totally sure where he's at. It, it gives me some pause on that. So I would say B. I could probably be coaxed into a B plus, but for right now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick at that B location. Yeah, I think that's all you know. Very fair, especially the the, the point you made on the the depth behind them is something to certainly watch for with with some of those names that we've seen a little bit of, but uh, haven't made that big splash quite yet. All right, going off of the line just a little bit, we'll switch over to the tight end position. Uh, very talented, uh, of course, number one in Jake Ferguson. Uh, some guys behind them that we haven't seen much of, so. Where did you uh, grade out your uh, tight end room, which should be much improved uh, this season? Yeah, I think that room will be a lot better than it was last year. And I think Jake Ferguson is is potentially uh, the best the best player on your entire offense you know, in a lot of ways and what he can bring to the table if he's healthy. He, had to, he dealt with that thumb injury last year, that ligament uh, injury that I think hurt him. I think he's going to be a huge weapon for them. But I still went with a C-plus for them, and the major reason wasn't because of Ferguson, but the uncertainty next to him. I think Gabe Lloyd's going to be most likely your blocking tight end, and I think he's he's a, a good player. But I also want to see 
who are those if those younger guys progress. We didn't get to see much of them last year with Clay Cundiff. Uh, you, you didn't see much of uh, Hayden Rucci either. The true freshmen I don't think are going to have much of a shot to play uh, this season unless the coronavirus rears its head just because tight end is such a developmental position. So I think there's there's kind of a, a gap in there. I think Jack Eschenbach is another guy that we've, we've talked about at nauseum. But I just think I see it similarly as outside linebacker where I – I feel pretty good about one, but I, I just I want to know who's going to be the blocking tight end because I don't want it to turn into, oh, we're going to return Cormac Sampson over to tight end to be the blocker. Um, and so I think just because of that, I think um, I'm going to go with a C-plus for them. Yeah, I think that's really fair. You know, I did uh, was very close, and mine was a B-minus, but I think for me – you know, just on surface alone with Jake Ferguson and in being, I think, hopefully uh, coming back this season as what he was, uh, you know, without that ligament injury, I think he probably gets you a B already in terms of, uh, you know, what he's brought to the table. And then you, you add in a promising young group, but again, you know, if you're grading it based on where they're at right now, you haven't seen really any of these guys uh, give you a whole lot. I mean, your backup tight end is a guy that was is now, you know, back in the offensive line rotation you know so you haven't seen much from the the Ruchis, the Cundiffs and of course the the young guys coming in and in Cam Large and, and Cole Dokovich and you've got an experienced guy in, in Gabe Lloyd but you have to uh you, you can't just go off the name alone you kind of have to see what they've uh, given on the field so Jake Ferguson is definitely carrying the weight of the grade in this group but uh, I gave them a B minus solely because of that and uh Hopefully, you know, when you review, you know, if we do you know, end of the season grade it out like we did this past year, uh, hopefully you'll see a significant upgrade in terms of grades from this group just simply because you get some development from some other guys and, and hopefully have a, a stronger room. You know, I think by default they're going to have a stronger room this year just because of the injuries they had last year. But uh, definitely a group that will be something to pay attention to as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, in that, in that I'm going to – qualify that by saying if if Gabe Lloyd goes out and is Sander Neville 2.0 and goes out there and blocks really well doesn't need to be called upon to do a lot in the passing game but if he blocks really well he was the number three last year or went into the season as the number three I, I think it could easily fly tight end to, to mm-hmm. almost a range or in a range because I think Ferguson's gonna have that good of a year but I, I just want I want to see it first because those those younger guys I think they've got the talent I just it, I need to see it proven first before I, I go ahead and throw them way up into the B range. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally hear you. All right, let's go to the uh, other part of the receiving and passing game, and that's the wide receiver room. And uh, this, for me, is a grade that I have down that maybe I'll revisit because mine was kind of in the C-plus, B-minus range. I ended up going with the C-plus, but I'm thinking I almost might change it, and I know that's probably considered low, but I look at, you know, what – what this team and this group did last year, that position, it was mostly Quintez Cephas. Uh, you know, you look at the guys coming back and, and Danny Davis and, and Kendrick Pryor, we've seen good things from and flashes from, but last year were, was down years for both of them. And, of course, you add in uh, you know, a player that will, of Quintez Cephas' caliber, uh, that certainly is going to take away balls from the rest of those guys. But I think in terms of a group, we're going to need to see, you know, be proven again that these guys have it, and I think we will. Again, it'll be a group that I'll probably come back and grade higher later on. Uh, but beyond those two, I'm still, again, it's wait and see. There's a lot of these position groups that are wait and see. Uh, but right now, you know, you look at behind them, Adam Crumholds, Jack Dunn, guys that are names and, and older and experienced, and then you've got the younger guys in, in Mustafa and Abbott. But Again, similar to the tight end room, uh, a, a promising young group, but a group that we haven't seen much from outside of really those top two guys. So for me, I couldn't really get them past that C-plus to, to B-minus range. What about yourself? I agree with you. I went with B-minus for them for a lot of the same reasons that you did. I look at it, there's 75 catches that need to be made up for between mm-hmm. Stephus, A.J. Taylor, and then, I mean, the, Crook, Crookshank only had three. But, but it's still, that's a lot. 
that is a lot to make up for. And I think I really like what Pryor and Davis bring to the table. I want to see them go down the field more often with them. Um, I, Danny did so well as a freshman that I think if they are able to try to try to push the ball down the field more, and that'll be a lot have to do with quarterback play. But um, I think those guys bring uh, enough. You then look at Jack Dunn, Adam Crumholtz, two reliable seniors behind them. I think that Crumholtz is a guy that gets overlooked a lot just because he was a walk-on, but he, he's definitely a capable player. They've played the last two years a lot, not only because of their ability to block, but also what we saw in practice. Those two make some highlight real plays every practice. I, I can tell you right now, Jack Dunn probably caught the most balls we saw last fall camp. It was constant that Jack Cohn was throwing to him. So I think definitely those guys are um, – players to, to watch. And then the other guy I think is, is Tim Ray DK. I think that mm-hmm. kid's going to be a stud. And I think if, if he's in the rotation, I'll feel better because that means that you've got a certified dude in the pipeline because I think Tim or Devin Chandler are going to have to, or Isaac Smith are going to have to um, earn reps right away because we're still waiting on Taj Mustafa. We're still waiting on AJ Abbott. Um, Stephen Bracey, uh, a good slot guy, um, but at the same time, I, I just I want to see one of those freshmen get reps this year because there are question marks what this group will look like beyond the top four, and I think that DK probably has the most raw talent for sport, sport athlete. I think he's really good. Um, I just I want to see it, and so I think this group will definitely be one that could rise. But um, and I think they're really tied to quarterback play, but. I think good things could come from them, but right now I'm in a wait-and-see mode. Yep, I think that's uh, all good points on that front for the wide receiver room. Hopefully we'll see some production from them uh, that will raise this in terms of uh, postseason grades. All right, the next position, uh, a key one for Wisconsin football, having to replace probably, for for conversation's sake, one of the best of all time in Wisconsin, best of all time uh, across uh, college football and Jonathan Taylor. Huge shoes to fill. Uh, Similar to the offensive line for me, I I don't worry as much, but I think there's definitely some concerns uh, with with Jonathan Taylor not being there, a guy that you've relied heavily, heavily on for the last three seasons. So interesting names, but some uh, guys that you have to work into the fold. So I graded them out as a B. Uh, You know, you look at the, the guys of Groshek, Watson, uh, Garendo, all guys that we've seen a little bit of and we think could t- I think could take on bigger roles. But, again, you're filling in some big shoes. And uh, as a collective group, when you add in potential of, you know, a Julius Davis, uh, some younger guys, uh, I put them as a B just because there's there's a lot of talent in the room. I expect them to have big years. But when you're replacing Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be hard to live up to Wisconsin running back. Uh, expectations until you actually do it on the field. So uh, where did you have the running back group uh, graded out? I totally agree with you on that. I give him a B as well. Uh, I just think because we don't know what it's going to look Mm -hmm. like with Nakia Watson getting extended carries, we saw him last year get 74 carries, over 330 yards, averaging four and a half to crack. But I want to see the big plays out of this group and see if anybody can do that. Now, I know Jonathan Taylor is a freak, and he – really had some big plays, but you got to see some burst out of this group, and I don't want to see it. Uh, I think I'm really interested to see what um, Isaac Rendo brings to the table, because I think he could he could be a spark in that room. Julius Davis, maybe if he's healthy, he can, he can really jump out. Um, Jalen Berger, I think, is really versatile and helps them in a lot of spaces. And Garrett Groshek, I think, is just steady Eddie, most reliable guy um, on the offense that you can turn to in any shape, uh, way, shape, or form. So I think they've got the makings of a really good group. This is another one where I think it could easily fly up and end up being an A because you gotta you got to remember that they've been stuck behind Jonathan Taylor. As much as it's limited how many carries they've gotten, it also makes it so that um, they learned a lot probably under him and were able to kind of – feed off of what he brought to the table. So I think this group, uh, for me, is probably in that BB plus range, but I, but I think by season end, if things go according to plan, it could be much higher. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you look at, you know, you talked about replacing production with Quintez Cephas. You know, you've got 320 carries that Jonathan Taylor had last year that will need to, you know, maybe you're not replacing all of those because maybe you don't rely as heavily on the run game as you did when you had, uh, you know, all college football type player. But definitely a significant chunk of uh, the Badger offense is going to have to go through new hands, which is something uh, to watch for. But maybe uh, the, the, uh, passing game will be opened up a little bit more which transitions nicely to our uh, quarterback well we better we better pause because I didn't have this in the original outline I actually forgot the fullbacks which uh, is a mortal sin for the Badgers so before we do quarterbacks we'll go ahead and hop into fullbacks um, a group that is is pretty solid uh, a, lot, a couple returning guys that that really bring back uh, some experience you know Mason Stocking of course John Chanel physical guys uh, Quan Easterling behind that, I think, has some potential to really be a monster in the future. But before we do the quarterbacks, where did you have your uh, fullback room? Uh, I went with B-plus for, for fullback. Um, I think there's a lot of really good depth there. Having three scholarship fullbacks is, is really solid. I like that room a lot. I think they're going to be uh, solid this year, really good blockers. I like what Mason Stocky brings. John Chanel, similar to his brother, is a, a freaking load. So I like what they what they have. You don't necessarily have that guy that makes you think it's an A-type group, though. I think Mason Stocky's a really good blocker, um, and we saw him make some nice catches against Minnesota, so maybe he takes on a bigger role uh, this upcoming season. But, but for right now, I'm going to stick with B+, but I could, I could be pushed into the A-minus category as well. Yeah, I think those are fair grades, you know, these, like you said. Three really talented guys that I think could step in there and do a good job, uh, and I think you'll see a little bit more dynamic. Uh, you know, like we saw a couple of years ago with Alec Ingold, you know, more carries maybe, uh, you know, more development in in the passing and screen game for those guys to set up uh, some exciting plays uh, going forward. So I think a B range for me is probably where I'd have them as well. All right, the quarterback room that we were about to touch on. Like I said, maybe the the quarterbacks will open it up more now that you don't have as many carries. I think in terms of what you've got uh, at those positions, you, you've got a very good and reliable uh, Jack Cohn. You, know, you look at his uh, stats last year, 2,777 yards, completed almost 70% of his passes. So that, to me, is good. I think Jack Cohn had a, had a good year last year, but I think it's more than fair to say that there are some things that could be better and, and left to be desired, and I think that's a fair comparison. And then you add in, the potential and the, from the limited, you know, nine for ten we've seen of Graham Mertz and just knowing what he brings, I think this group is is pretty solid. So I put them as a B, uh, and I fully hope that uh, they'll be better. Uh, but really, until games get going, it's it's sink or swim. But I, I think the Badgers having two guys that can come in and win you games, maybe even three. You know, I know a lot of people like what Chase Wolf uh, can do. So you could I could easily be talked into a B plus. But until we see it's, uh, some of the improvements. Uh, from either of those guys in the position group as a whole, uh, I couldn't go uh, much higher than that. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I went with B+, and, and that has more to do with the history of the Wisconsin quarterback position mm -hmm. than it does for necessarily how like awe-inspiring this group is. I, I think Cone is really, really reliable, really solid, uh, and I think he, he's what you need. Uh, in a, as a Wisconsin quarterback in that offense, but that's assuming you got the running game. So maybe he's called upon the shoulder a bigger load. Um, he left. There was times when he left a little meat on the bone in terms of not pushing the ball down the field as much. Maybe we see that a little bit more this year. I'm hoping personally. Um, so, but I think you look at having him having a really, really um, solid starter for for your team as a senior after having a good year last year, and then you look at having you know your your phenom redshirt freshman behind him that kind of depth isn't something that the Badgers normally have so because of that I went with B plus I think they're in a very good spot moving forward at quarterback compared to what they have been and I, I that's ironically one of the highest grades I have on the offense just because I know what I'm getting out of Jack Cohn and, and all it can be is getting better. I don't anticipate him getting worse after getting reps. So I, I know what I have in him, and I anticipate it to get better. So I'm going to stick with a B plus because there's not nearly as quest many questions around quarterback as there was at, say, offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, running back. Those are questions of plenty across the offense. But the two highest for me were fullback and quarterback at B plus because 
while they're not necessarily the all-star guys that you you know are going to light the world on fire, we don't have a Joe Burrow that's going to be your starter this year. It doesn't change the fact that I know what I'm getting, and they're pretty damn solid. Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially when you look at, like you said, all the positions that we've talked about, you know, potential or wait and see, things like that, uh, to, to know what you're getting in a quarterback and to know that you've, you've probably got a really solid backup uh, waiting in the wings no matter, you know, what shakes out is, is definitely uh, something to, to, to count on and maybe doesn't get enough attention uh, as you roll into uh, this season. Well, that wraps up all our positions. Anything else you want to touch on? Otherwise, we'll uh, wrap up another episode of the podcast. No, I think that should do it. Make sure to um, interact and let us know where we were wrong, where we're stupid, where we were smart <laughs> um, in our comment section of the article. And, and like Tyler said earlier, um, throw us a five-star review if you, if you like what we did and um, tell us where we did right and what we did wrong. But we appreciate you guys listening and uh, keep on coming back. That's very well said and a good sign-off. We'll be back with you guys later in the week on Wisconsin. Thank you.